What's up, Dreadheads? I'm John. And I'm Joe. And welcome to episode 57 of the Spread the Dread podcast. This week, we are covering Carol M. Bundy and Doug Clark, the Sunset Strip Killers. Yes. Uh, not Still not feeling good, Joe. February <laughs> is fucking suck. It does. This it, is my birth month, and, it's, and it, I, it literally sucks every year. Yeah, I, I was about to say, we've been together 17 years, and I, don't, I never remember escaping February without fucking getting sick with you. Yeah, I feel like I've been under the weather the entire month, and, and it is what the fuck it is, but <laughs> whatever, Dre. Redheads, here the fuck we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how it how this uh, pans out. A little bit of light housekeeping, really quick. The numbers for episode fifty six: Alton Coleman yeah. and Deborah Brown. You motherfuckers and motherfuckettes and y'all like your obscure shit, zets. which we're happy about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys showed out on the plays for that. Thank you all very, very much. And um, again, there was no fright flick last week. Uh, apologies to my co-host and big bro, Jay. That always seems to get the back burner when I get sick or for some reason, like, like this past week, I got sick on Wednesday. Yeah. So like, it, like, yeah. so yeah, that's just the way it is. But hopefully, finally, I, I'm starting to think it's the curse of skin and rink. <laughs> Because we've been trying for like two, two or three weeks now talking about recording Skin of Rink, and it's and I've been sick. Uh, so hopefully you can tune in this upcoming Friday to catch Goddamn that one. Goddamn Canadians and their fucking weird flu. Is it Canadian? Their... I thought it was. I don't know. Probably. I, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything else about Skin of Rink, so. We know what you think about Skin of Rink. Tune in this upcoming Friday on YouTube and all the podcast platforms to find out what me and Jay think on the next Fright Flick Fuck, Mary Kill. Um, again, Joe, as always, what's the most dreadful website on the internet? Your OnlyFans page. No, it's. I, if I have an OnlyFans page, A, I didn't start it. B, I want to cut. <laughs> So it's a I don't care what my face is superimposed doing. <laughs> Give me the fucking money. I got kids, bitches. <laughs> it's uh, spreadthedreadpodcast.com, motherfuckers. That's, that's right. Go there. You'll find links to all of the podcast platforms, YouTube, uh, BitChute, Facebook, IG, our merch store, and of course, access to the newly launched Patreon, patreon.com slash spreadthedreadpodcast. That gives you access to? Oh my God, <laughs> the Discord. Which I don't know if it's really a selling point. I don't. Because oh, no. that Discord is raunchy. It is rough. We're yeah. We're not policing, and honestly, I mean, you we guys should this, be. We're on episode fifty-seven. <laughs> you guys know us well enough at this point. Yeah, like you just. We should be. Yeah. We really Some should of be. That, like literally, sometimes I, the only emoji I can throw up is the shaking my head. Like yeah. I'm just like, oh, that I laughed a little bit, but it hurt my soul. Yeah. Especially on the memes thread. Yeah, the memes is awful. The yeah. the not suitable for work chat tends to fluctuate between a really good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> then someone will throw up a fucked up meme or Marty. a fucked up thought. Marty. Yeah, usually Marty or Jay. Greg Barry's pretty yeah. bad about that at some points. Um, yeah, we, we've got our suspects in there. we got some great there. crime scene photos. Though. Yes, yes. Me there and is. Chris go ham in there. Yes, yes. Chris O and Joe. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is, again, if, sorry, I guess we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves. You join the Patreon, no matter what tier, you get access to our exclusive Discord server. Um, and uh, then there's other tiers where you... You know, you'll get a bunch of shout outs. There's a tier that gets you free monthly merch, stuff like that. But no matter what tier it is, you're going to get uh, access to the Discord. And we have a bunch of different threads in there. There is a uh, there's a crime scene one. 
So yeah. a lot of the times when we do our research and stuff, we, we like to dig deep and we find the images and we can't put them like on episode art yeah, and exactly. shit like that. So yeah, that, that, that. Yeah, I threw up a few old episode, like, especially um, the uh, Bakshis, the ones, the, the yeah, photos the that made you Yeah, the Krasnodar cannibal couple yeah. out of Russia. Yeah, yeah. those fucking gross. <laughs> episode two, that's, we're on episode 57, so that's a while back. But yeah, those. I've been waiting for something like this to get to share those things. Yeah, so uh, if, yeah, I mean, you can, you, we, we are trying our best to, at least not police people but wrangle all of the nonsense to certain areas so if yeah. you get on there yeah if you click on some of those so threads bad. it's actually should all be in it it's like it's like trying to herd retarded sheep <laughs> it really it really is and herd i love cats. our i love our, yes i love our dreadheads very much but they they they, they take the threads as mere suggestions yeah yeah um, it's great but yeah again so again patreon.com slash spread the dread podcast and uh if you guys support us we would fucking absolutely love it but you know like most good sluts we're gonna do it for free regardless of whether you do that or not uh i think that covered everything except for the podcast promo swap that we have this week finally we found another podcast that uh did not research us well enough yeah pull their name through the mud yeah didn't didn't (laughs) listen to a single episode of what we do before they agreed to let us promote them and agreed to accept ours and of course we're talking about the awesome dave and garrett over at criminal af pod check it out dreadheads hi i'm dave jari i'm garrett quarter and we host criminal af a true crime podcast that blends unfiltered conversation with narrative storytelling join dave and i as we break down criminal cases of unimaginable horror chapter by chapter and give you the listener bits of heinous details not covered by mainstream true crime docs so click that follow button for criminal af and be sure to turn on notifications that's criminal af available wherever you listen to podcasts so once again, Dreadheads, that is Criminal AF, and uh, I, I recently found that on the uh, the, the Discord. The Discord, yeah, uh, and uh, loved it. I honestly, we listen to a lot of podcasts. We don't listen to a lot of other true crime or horror podcasts. Yeah, because sometimes I get too in the nitty gritty, and I'm I can't get I can get. I mean, obviously, we we do not sound like the kind of people <laughs> that go looking for educational, <laughs> and, and 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 again, that's the void we fill. In true crime, because most of it is too good. Yeah, and yeah. so uh, and so we're, we're, we're trashing. We like trashy shit. Yep, usually, yep. we are trying to uh, do, we're trying to kill the business. And Criminal AF is doing the same thing. So I'm down <laughs> with them. So again, make sure that you guys uh, go check out Criminal AF Pod on IG. That's uh, again hosted by Dave and Garrett. They've got a website. I mean, they're on every podcast platform you can imagine, and they've also got a Patreon as well. Uh, one final thing before we kick into this episode. Next week on the 27th, there's going to be a brand new episode of Talking Dread. I sat down and interviewed horror author James Harberson, uh, and you guys are not going to want to miss this one. Definitely make sure you check it out on YouTube uh, since there is a video for it. But again, the audio is going to be up on all of the podcast platforms as well. We're ready now, right? Yes. Everything's good? Let's get fucking to it. All right, dreadheads, (laughs) buckle up. Episode 57, Carol M. Bundy and Doug Clark, the Sunset Strip Killers. All right, so we're going to, again, we're we're continuing killer couples, so we've got two people we're talking about here. So like we always try to do, we're going to break down their, their bios and backgrounds before they meet up. And then continue on once these two fucked up lovebirds decide to uh, make that sweet, sweet amore of the beast with a billion backs like they always tend to do. And then they start fucking people up and 
ultimately end up on this show. Uh, so, Joe, let me throw it over to you. Give us a little background and bio on Carol M. Bundy. Yes. So she was born. Is Aug- she any related to Ted? No, no, no. She was actually born uh, Carol Peters. Um, she was born August 26, 1942. And uh, she was actually the second child of Charles, who was a theater technician, and Gladys, who was a hairdresser. Ooh. So no relation to the Bundy. It was actually her third husband, not to... You know, go too far ahead. Whose third husband? Her third hus- husband is the reason she got the last name Bundy. Oh, Carol. Mm-hmm. But not, she didn't marry Ted. No. Okay, that's what I was getting. I was like, wait a second. I was like, what no. the fuck? Hold on now. Cause, no, no, Because, no. yeah, another thing. Joe did these notes this week. Normally, yeah. I do the notes. So, these are going to be way more detailed. She does a lot more digging than me. So, everyone buckle up. This may be the most educational show we've put out in uh, roughly a year. <laughs> Um, so she actually really had a uh, shit fucking childhood. Her parents were both. No. Ab- <laughs> I know. Surprise, surprise. Her parents were both abusive alcoholics and, you know, kind of confided. And she had to h- kind of hunker down with her sister, Victoria, which she called Vic- Vicky. Okay. Um, Carol idolized. Is that, was that her older sister then? Okay. So there's actually, I could not find birth dates on the sister. I know that her sister had already passed before she did, um, but that I could not find out for sure if she really was uh, victoria was older for carol's older so okay. i'm just sticking with this you know vernacular here fair enough yeah so um it's well known that carol kind of idolized her mom her mom was real pretty she you know she was a hairdresser she'd you know done hair for like movie stars and stuff but gladys kind of it, it seemed like she'd suffer from some type of disassociative like mental illness um and i was kind of looking over it and i think specifically she may have um fell into the category of prospagnosia and i may have mispronounced that i wouldn't have even known how to pronounce um, that it kind of means that you stop recognizing your own children like, Interesting, right? Like you don't actually, or you just kind of don't view them through like a motherly, fatherly lens? Uh, no, it, it's like you do not recognize your own children. Like, you know how you can pick out all three of our kids in their photographs? Like she... Well, I don't know. When they're infants, <laughs> all three of them, we, we look like we had like fucking Petri dish babies. Like <laughs> Cub and Fox. Sometimes I'm... I, not in day. Sometimes I have to look at the surroundings that they're in in the picture to and be like, date oh, that's Fox. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, it's a ty- it's a form of disassociative where like she just doesn't recognize her own kids okay. and um, she really found Carol in prior to a few episodes uh, she found Carol to be kind of like ugly and and her like fat and imper- uh, like a fat appearance like really embarrassing gotcha. and it kind of so Gladys was kind of vain yes really yes. I mean obviously she's a hairdresser so she's all about physical appearance that's Ex- what that's her bread and butter literally exactly okay. now now around age eight this is where this like disorder kind of prevailed and this is when Gladys Gladys had actually had a breakdown and locked Carol out of the fucking house saying she was, there was no way that Carol was actually her daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So, and Charles, her dad was actually able to downplay the situation and get Gladys, you know, to kind of uh, let Carol back into the house. Gotcha. So, uh, so, okay. So, so dad had to step in and intervene and kind of just like. Uh, it's just it's what it is it's fine brush the situation under the rug oh everything's fine which may 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 may, uh, suggest that he had kind of seen 
some mental issues prior, you know, when he's already got that. Because obviously, I mean, like, if you did that suddenly out of nowhere to one of our kids, like, we might come close to fucking hands. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? But so him trying to do that almost seems like he's already kind of built up a tolerance to her her mental issues and kind of knows how to roll with the punches and get it, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Didn't seem surprised. Exactly. Now, actually, um, even prior to this event and afterwards, Charles wouldn't allow Gladys to reprimand the girls because if she punished them, she was relentless and actually would not stop unless he intervened Ugh. and dragged her off the fucking girl. So she's Jeez. she's completely off the fucking hinges. Uh, Gladys died when Carol was only like roughly around 11, 10, 11 years old. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> but Carol and Vicky were actually told they would have to take their mother's place in the marital bed. Boo. Yeah. That's f- All right. So Charles, I was... He had some brownie points and now he has... Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. On this episode of Making a Murderer. (laughs) God damn. Yeah. And the sexual abuse actually continued until uh, Charles remarried only eight months later. But obviously, it only takes once to fuck a kid up. Like, obviously, like you don't see someone who's willing to do that. A, to any kind of child. B, especially to their own child, suddenly just be not doing it anymore yeah. like, that's not a phase well and, and that's know? the thing is like after he remarried carol actually was shuffled and and it, i say just carol because i couldn't figure out if vicky was too but um she was shuffled between foster homes by her father until she was 17 and at uh, that time she was done she was just like i don't want to go through this anymore and she ended up marrying a guy named leonard who was 56 fucking years old wow just so she could escape the hell and it, it that she had been thrust upon into um and he was an abusive alcohol that only wanted to pimper out and you know eventually she left him too right so then she ends up marrying richard <laughs> i still want to know and this is, is the night by the way before you even said this is actually the nicest guy she was with no it's great just I, just, I just i just always love how some some names have have shorthand versions that make no fucking sense and richard. i don't know why people who are named richard are called dick. I don't know why. Now, again, we're talking back in the day before, you know, obviously no one now. I mean, if, if I've actually got a buddy, Rich, who I love very much, and we I call him dick because it's, it's, it's funny, funny and crass and shit like that. <laughs> no idea where i remember i had a friend growing up and his uncle's name was richard and everyone called him dicky <laughs> i never knew i thought dicky was his fucking name until then i found out that and so uh, yeah that's another one whatever anyway i i fucking grass so yeah so she marries richard dick geese geese i would say guys G-E-I-S, i don't know is uh whew, a 32 year old porn and sci-fi writer i don't know if those were exclusive or they sometimes <laughs> cross line uh either way uh he was uh encouraging of her writing prowess but she was a classic underachiever mm-hmm. she actually was published a couple of times uh and tried writing lengthier pieces only to give up shortly after starting she should have listened to that new episode of talking dread coming up where i talked to <laughs> horror author james harperson <laughs> she might could have got some pointers there you go um so Richard and Carol uh, moved to Oregon 
Um, I guess when you know when you can't make it, you, you fucking go to Oregon, um, where he <laughs> discovered she was sleeping with men for money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now I, I gotta ask this because you did the notes. So we talked about her first husband. He was fifty six and was trying to pimp her out. Did you ever find anything about him like that she actually did that? No, there was uh, I, I, there was no <laughs> other information on him other than what she had stated at some at some right. interview point. Um, but I don't know if he was successful because well, it would be odd that she had that kind of scenario and that she didn't do it but then suddenly she's doing it behind her next husband's back with technically prostituting herself again yes. we're spread the dread is pro sex worker and yes, all hereby affiliates and associates and yada 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 <laughs> notwithstanding and you know <laughs> all that legal your, bullshit right you know see uh, your general doctor for more details <laughs> um so yeah that i would find that I would find that hard to believe that that didn't happen before. That this or at wasn't least it, maybe this it was, was the new. seed. Maybe it was she had to get. I mean, especially because of her childhood and kind of being demeaned about her uh, about her appearance. Maybe it took being with her second husband and made to feel pretty that she's like, oh, maybe I can sling it right. to make some money. Right. Let's fuck with. Let's fuck up the nice guy. There yeah, we go. We I truly know. do finish last. Yeah. In 1962, Carol's father hung himself. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she openly blamed herself for the physical, emotional emotional and sexual abuse she endured by her father that's bad it's never the victim's fucking fault uh, even though this bitch goes on to be an, an awful person herself uh, so Dick and Carol uh, ended up moving to Santa Monica they're gonna try to make it again they're leaving Oregon <laughs> putting the fucking lumberjacks and rain behind them. Uh, uh, so Dick actually put her through nursing school. Yeah. He found she- her really intelligent. Um, it's really weird because uh, he kept on trying to bolster her up, bolster her up through her writing. And then he gets her, even despite going through the shit he did, he realized what kind of upbringing she went through. And I think he still forgave her for it and just still saw the person underneath. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, this is, this is, this is some good dick, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is, this is, this is so some, many levels. This is some real good dick going on here. But uh, yeah, so he put her through nursing school and she actually graduated valedictorian in 1968. Mm-hmm. So she had a knack for it. She's yeah. not a dummy. No. And she finally has someone believing in her. Um, after parting ways, so they end up splitting. They still remain close friends for several years. Mm-hmm. Now, Carol moves on to her third husband, Grant Bundy. There we go. Yeah. There's the name. Grant, the uh, second cousin twice removed of Ted, possibly. I do find it funny. Wasn't Ted out in Cali? Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, you know what I'm saying? Maybe they were like, you know, distant cousins or some fuck, shit. Fuck, then the fucked up apple doesn't fall far from the fucked up fucking tree, I guess. Uh, East uh, state. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go, California. Uh, but uh, he was also a nurse and was the, the father of, the, of two of her boys, uh, Christopher and Spike. Okay. So Christopher is the real name. He didn't mind his name being released, but Spike was a nickname. He never wanted his real okay, name released. Okay. Fair enough. That's mm-hmm. a sweet name. I mean, you know, yeah. Fucking, no, right. I, rock that shit uh at 36 years old carol was temporarily disabled due to her failing eyesight and had to leave her job as a vocational nurse yeah so what's interesting about this is that um i i finally figured out that she actually suffered from diabetes and more than likely when i was like looking it up i was like oh i knew there was something that can happen if you're a diabetic and it's called like diabetic retinopathy and it can eventually cause that sounds right (laughs) it can cause you to lose like peripheral vision you can get blurs and spots and all this shit but it was so debilitating for her that she did have to actually fucking quit her job are you assuming that because she was a plump girl no 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 because um you'll find out no you'll find out later about uh, a situation that involves insulin 
There we oh. go. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Fair uh, play enough there. Uh, yeah. She claimed that uh, the abuse got worse because she was unable to pull her financial weight. So I'm guessing her and Grant didn't have the best of the relationship. No. No. See? And he is over there like, holy shit. Now I got to fucking pretty much like he's been quoted as saying this in, by her, Carol's own words is like, oh, now I have to take care of your fat fucking ugly ass and the kids. You don't leave good dick. <laughs> Ladies, gentlemen, either or, neither nor, dreadheads of all shapes, sizes, and sexual orientations, you don't leave good dick. <laughs> and Carol did. And she paid the price for it, sadly enough. Uh, she also disclosed that since she was 17, she would bounce between men and women. Mm-hmm. So she, 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 yeah, like, so she'd get burned by a dude and then jump into a relationship with a woman, get burned by her, and then jump to another dude and rinse and repeat. And after leaving Grant, she moved into the Valero Gardens complex in Van Nuys. And this is where shit really fucking starts to kick off for her. Um, this is actually where she met Jack Murray. He was like this smooth talking, like Australian immigrant. Um, he was actually the building superintendent and he was also a part-time performer and she would actually frequent little Nashville. This is the name of a, like a little local honky tonk where he performed regularly. And so he was, he was just like Keith (laughs) Evan before Keith was urbanized, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever want to come down, listen to me. Be down in Little Nashville Ugh. with my guitar. <laughs> oh, gross. Singing a little Hank Williams. I don't, I'm not a fan of Kurt Urban. So. Um, so they end up becoming involved despite Murray actually being married with two fucking children. And she soon, it went from just an affair to complete fucking obsession. Um, so now he was married. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay, she yeah, was married. Right. She's, she's already divorced. Yeah, she's she's already got her left. two kids. Yeah. But Look at that. We're and no homes. lie, they were living side by side with one another. Who was? Um, uh, uh, Murray. And, and Bundy they he moved her into the apartment right beside him and then that's how shit kicked off I like to fornicate and I don't like to walk far <laughs> I knew exactly where that was going. Um, she actually, Kara went as far as offering Jack Murray's wife, Jeanette, $1,500 so that they could be together. Um, That's so, some back then money, too. I know. That ain't bad. Exactly. So when this didn't work, she settled into the role of being Jack's like little side piece and sugar mama. Hell yeah. Now, the home her... Probably, probably a bit of a confidence booster for her, though. I would imagine. No, no, no. All right. No, it is. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just a whore, and she wasn't, apparently. <laughs> now, the home her and Grant Bundy actually shared was sold, and she was living off of that money. And she was also receiving, obviously, a disability check for gotcha. her fucking eyesight. Okay. So, this afforded her to have two eye surgeries and to also spend copious amounts of money on Jack to keep him interested in mm. her. Exactly. Yeah. That's like raining those dollary dues down on him. I hear. <laughs> Now, this is one particular instance. There were multiples. I just wanted to pull an example. He had actually conned her out of $10,000 saying that his wife, Jeanette, had actually had cancer and there was like a shit ton of bills. And he said he couldn't leave her until, oh, all the bills were paid off. But he actually used the fucking money to pay off his van. He was transporting his um, his bandmates and their fucking equipment back and forth from the home. Oh, my God, He bro. is a absolute fucking piece of shit. I, again, don't leave good dick fellas <laughs> ladies either or neither nors when you got good dick you keep good dick <laughs> carol should have kept good dick she may not have been on this episode exactly. who even fucking Thank knows you. at this point exactly um at carol ended up maintaining this relationship 
even after they uh, being asked to move three miles away by Jack and his wife. And uh, he'd even still t- pop in two to three times a week just for fucking sex. And obviously he's getting paid. He's getting paid to do so because he's over there. He can con her out of money left and right. If they went up to the honky tonk, she was paying for all the drinks. They went out to right. eat. She was paying for it. If he needed a new outfit for the next show, she was fucking paying for Jesus. it. Now, around this time, while at this bar, it's called Little Nashville, um, she was obviously stalking Jack there. So even she, when he didn't want her around, she, she was, was still, still making sure to keep tabs and on him. Keep and keeping eyes on him yeah. and his wife. Um, this is where she actually meets Douglas Clark. All right, Dreadhead. So Douglas Daniel Clark was born March 10th, 1948. Uh, his father, Franklin, was a naval intelligence officer that spent the uh, first 10 years of uh, Douglas, Doug, Dougie, <laughs> Dougie Clark, whatever, Douglas's life moving from post to post. So he was he was a military kid bouncing around. Um, he claimed he lived in 37 different countries. Now, is that is that Doug or is that his dad, Franklin? No, that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, that was actually Doug's claim. Um, I just couldn't find any kind of like corroborating evidence or where like a brother or, I'm sorry, one of his siblings even uh, mentioned it. So. Gotcha. Well, he's on this show, so he's not to be trusted. Exactly. Uh, when Franklin returned to civilian life. Uh, as an engineer, they continued moving around uh, uh, for his work. So he was taking jobs and stuff like that and still bouncing around. Uh, Blanche, which was Doug's mom, was a housewife and raised Douglas and his four other siblings. Uh, once Franklin took up a civilian position, she actually ended up starting to work as a radio controller. Mm-hmm. Uh, Douglas Clark was eventually shipped off to an exclusive school in Geneva. And eventually, the Culver Military Academy in Culver, Indiana. I wonder yeah. if that's where the, the Culver's is from. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I, I read that and I went, ooh, butter burgers. Now, <laughs> and I didn't put it in the notes, but um, when he was in Geneva, he actually get it, He was actually expul- uh, expulled, expunged. Or expelled? Expelled. There. there God go. damn it. You got, I mean, you got a lot of <laughs> words that... God, it sounded the same. Yeah, I mean, they're not As right. As I drink but, my second yeah. beer. All right. Uh, so uh, Doug spent his time chasing girls, recording audio of his sexual escapades. That's weird. Uh, yeah, I mean, good God. Yeah, he liked recording. Audio only? Yeah, no, I mean, you got to think about the times. But yeah, he was recording the audio of them like moaning and groaning and fucking like sharing that with his classmates. Fair enough. That's anyway. actually part of why he got expe- expelled. Oh, Damn it, okay. I'm going to set it wrong again. Jesus, all right, we're going to move on past this point before you keep fucking up. Uh, and he will also pass around pictures that he had taken to his classmates as well. He was uh, exploitative and was repeatedly reprimanded for this, you know, for all this stuff. Uh, at the age of 17, he claimed to have met the love of his life. Mm-hmm. 14-year-old yeah. girl named Bobby. Yep. Despite saying he loved her, he circulated pictures of them, you know, that he had taken while they were having sex. So, so this kind of sets that that th- this um, I guess you could say like plot line or like his normal operation that he tended to like people that he could kind of control and domineer. And, so he, and at he, he thought he loved her because she was going to do whatever the hell he wanted. Exactly. To. Ding, 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 motherfucker. All right. Yeah. yeah, there we go. All right, here we go. Walter, one of Douglas's siblings, stated he was a nightmare and his parents looked past his troublesome behavior. It sounds like his parents were pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they just kind of bounced them around 
to whoever else would take care Especially of their problems. Especially five goddamn kids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Did it say, did you ever figure, like, was he the eldest or did it not, could you not figure that out? I couldn't really figure that That's out. Fine. They didn't, they, they didn't exp- expound really on like the hierarchy of the kids. So, but I just know that Walter was in really close age to Douglas because they actually went to the same military academy. Gotcha. Now, Douglas graduated uh, high school in 1967 and enlisted in the U.S. Air Force where he was stationed in Alaska. That'll mm-hmm. cool him off. <laughs> uh, he had a track record of doing the bare minimum to pass throughout school and his enlisting. He could have been president. <laughs> he certainly could have been a I mean, Bush. He wasn't, even, he wasn't even in the fucking reserves. <laughs> no. You know what I'm saying? He's just like, you know. And it, was, it, and it was even, he even stated that the only reason, um, I think he went to like air traffic control or some shit. And he, the only reason he did that was because he knew that he, it, it wouldn't put him on the front lines of Vietnam. Well, I mean, fair enough, dude. Yeah, when we talk I about Vietnam, yeah, I yeah. get you on that one. So uh, finally, he's making a little bit of sense to me. Uh, so uh, after he was discharged, he spent the next decade job hopping around as a mechanic and eventually moved in with his sister and her abusive husband in Van Nuys. So don't forget, this is where Carol is fucking around with old <laughs> old school Keith Urban down there in Little Nashville, down in Van Nuys. Van Nuys, by the way, if I'm not mistaken, is like was it used to back in the day be like the hub of the porn industry too. Really? Oh yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, I think I yeah. Of course you would know that. <laughs> Hey, you know, we all we all have our strengths. Um, in 1972, Douglas, who was now 24, met his first wife, 17-year-old Beverly. Uh, they ended up owning a business together. She stated the failure of their marriage was stemmed from his laziness. Um, and uh, what is that? Not from him wearing panties all the time? Yeah. So did he so, like to wear some, he liked to wear some yeah, silk she, panties? She, so she hated saying anything bad about him. And again, it might be the difference in age and him always liking people that he could kind of domineer. And she didn't, she was really reluctant, uh, reluctant to even speak ill of him. But she did mention that he liked wearing her silk panties. Mm. And as though Silk it, is a sensual feeling <laughs> thing. If, I mean, I'm it not. It's not to me. I'm like, Ugh. I mean, you'll sweat. It'll I mean, make my ass sweat. Fuck I was that to say, shit. I was about to say it'll sp- make you sweat your balls off, especially <laughs> if you're Doug. Um, but yeah, I mean, silk feels good. I don't know about. Just- it, but she like mentioned it so nonchalant is like, oh, it's 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 not from the fact that he wore my silk panties. It was because he was lazy. See, she, yeah, God bless Priorities. anybody else who married this broad afterwards because she <laughs> she came out the gate with a fucked up one. Uh, in '76, uh, after roughly four years, Beverly and Doug uh, they divorced. Uh, he spent the '70s being, in his own words, quote. The king of the one night stand. That's mm-hmm. that sounds itchy, uh, especially <laughs> especially back then. They didn't believe in condoms. Fuck yeah. no! You, they didn't even whore bath between partners I back know, right? then, bro. It's they all still, about orgies. Still like to have the stank of the last person on them when they hooked up with the next one. Oh, gross ass seventies America. Uh, Los Angeles was alluring to him, uh, obviously, as it was a hotbed of casual anonymous, anonymous sex. So mm-hmm. I mean, you're, again, you're talking about the hippie period, the free and love. Like you movement, said, I didn't know that. that with it being the porn industry, it makes so much fucking well, sense. Well, Van Nuys it's kind of, is, is kind of the... an outlier of Cali, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's SoCal. I mean. So you're, you're, it's in and around the L.A. area and things of that nature. So um, his favorite spot, oh boy, dreadheads, get ready, was a little quaint North Hollywood club called Little Nashville. So let's kick off the love affair. 
And let's let's put our mind's eye into this visual. It's the 70s. <laughs> Some seedy, everyone's itchy pubic hairs fucking are club. Not, yeah, everyone's <laughs> pubic hairs are not trimmed. <laughs> Everyone has crabs. Yeah. <laughs> Whether they know it or not. <laughs> Doug doesn't have crabs. He has fucking lobsters. Like, it's bad. <laughs> On this particular night, Carol is sitting at the bar. She's overdressed for the venue. She is seeing out of her somewhat, um, you know, peripheral vision. Her medically somewhat <laughs> okay now eyes. Yes. Um, she sees Jack and Jeanette fucking dancing. She's fucking pissed off. And then... Fucking Douglas Clark sees her. He's the only other guy that's overdressed. And he walks up to her and asks strolls her to in dance. Wearing, strolls in wearing girls' underwear and underneath his fucking polyester bell bottoms. <laughs> He's got a tape recorder and a Polaroid on and him. And the so sweatiest fucking, taint in the goddamn yeah, room. So he can fucking record and document all of his sexual escapades of the evening. He's ready to go. Yeah. So he asks her to dance. He's, you know, kind of like romanticizing or whatever the fuck you call it, swooning her. And actually, after this night of dancing, Doug. Douglas ended up asking uh, to see her again, and Carol obviously gave him her number. And he, and throughout the night, he made no sexual advances and oh, was boy. very charming to Carol. And that was something she had never experienced before. So obviously, this this you know ticks a couple of bo- new boxes for her. He's just so. Uh. Charming. Charming and de- he's bona fide. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like Jesus, really? No, he probably went home and like he probably. Uh, to me, that sounds like case. I mean, he's obviously got like a lot of sexual deviancy. Like that, he probably got off on the fact that he didn't do that. Yeah, like that was some kind of thing. He probably went off and masturbated. To probably it. smelt her while he was dancing. Oh. <laughs> So, so much. God, oh, he, so probably, he probably fucked three other women in that club that night and fucking that's why like, he's, Why not yeah. that one, too? No, he's just like, oh, I can wait for her. She's special. So there's something different about her. We're going to make history. In those Coke bottle glasses. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now, about a week later, he ends up calling to invite himself over for dinner with Carol and her fucking kids. That's a power move. <laughs> now, after staying the night and having what she considered, quote, unquote, incredible sex, um, he asked her for a pair of her panties to wear now (laughs) right i mean he just out the gate with it um it didn't deter but uh, soon they were actually sharing post-coitus fantasies about slave and master playing so so they were they were they were both kind of into the idea of of her being domineered and him being the you know the master yeah obviously now this is an excerpt from addicted to love the sunset strip murders by fiona Steele, and i'm going to quote this so quote Carol's favorite choice of Doug's fantasies was where he captured a young girl and kept her locked away as his sex slave, although she much preferred herself as the captured slave. Together, Doug and Carol indulged her fascination for bondage and domination. Doug enjoyed testing her seemingly non-existent sexual limits. Before long, the fantasies began to include murder. He told her that it was fun to kill and that any woman who really loved him should be willing to kill for him. Carol was more than willing, end quote. Whew. Yeah, it went deep fast. Dreadheads, if you guys, uh, guys, girls, either or neither nor have a partner out there that you kind of, when you, when you heard that quote, you were like, huh, run. Yeah. Run the fuck away. Because, I, I mean, at, at the same time, too, you, it, it's... You're starting to see here, clearly you got, I mean, obviously, all right, so Carol's coming from f- fucked up stock. Mm-hmm. She, she, shit She's was coming done to from her. a childhood that where she always wanted to please her parents, no matter the cost. But you have Doug who really doesn't, I mean, from his 
past, you don't see that like the parents did anything wrong other than they obviously were neglectful in a way where they were ignoring a lot mm-hmm. of his problems. It doesn't seem like they caused the problem. So like yeah. Carol, you can sit there and, and I mean, she's on spread the dread. Yeah. So you can sit there and listen to her childhood and be like, well, totally makes fucking sense yep. why she's here. Yeah. Doug's is not. Mm-hmm. Doug's is kind of almost a bad from birth. Like he's just fucked up kind of genetically. But he's been allowed they, to run the roost. Oh, he's been allowed sure. to have that domineering role in his own life. Yeah, things have and had excuses made for him and things yeah. of that nature with his parents. It's just it's so interesting once you see it converge now at this point douglas actually began bringing prostitutes back to carol's apartment just so that they could both fuck them like that was his thing now douglas frequently left carol's apartment for days sometimes uh, there was a couple of times where he would leave weeks at a time but he was actually trying to find the next woman to shack up with and possibly extort but always failed in doing so and would run back to carol ah so he would be like he would kind of bounce probably make excuses for what he was doing Uh but he was technically trying to find another another carol yeah exactly so he couldn't find anyone as willing to please him and fawn over him and do everything for him like carol did like she would he'd literally show up and she would fuck he she would do his fucking laundry fucking bend over backwards sexually for him skirt her fucking kids probably off. physically and literally too the whole bending <laughs> over backwards things is, i mean he said non like existent limits of sex yeah exactly I don't know why he's out there looking <laughs> I mean, it sounds like he fucking found a 10. <laughs> We're looking for 11, fellas. A 10 in his, I guess you could say like the pathological way, but he didn't find her very physically attractive. Hey. He made it very well known. And again, that was a way, a form of him controlling her. Nothing better than a thick bitch with a lot of fucking <laughs> sexual fucking deviancies. Now, this is also where he actually began to refuse actually having sex with Carol because she was, quote, too unattractive so this is again it's that mental abuse that emotional abuse because he knew he could play off of it and despite being devastated when he would say this to her she would accompany him to pick up hookers and she'd sit in the fucking back seat while they would try to arouse him orally like she was so willing to go to these extents just to make him happy but you have to think what she went through with her mom set her up for fucking failure she bent over backwards wanting her mom to love her and then she then was literally put into her father's bed wanted to make him happy and then she was fucking shipped off this is somebody who was neglected and abused and knows no other way of dealing with life i know it's just so fucked up when someone has those kinds of things happening to them and then they stumble across literally a perfect storm yeah and i mean this is we see it a lot we, we absolutely do i mean you can go back to almost any of the episodes where we talk about couples mm-hmm and it's it that's that is Fred the and way Rose it is. West. Yeah, I mean we we did Fred God and Rose damn. West not too long. Well, not no, we did about a year ago. A while yeah, back. about a year ago. We watched an, a documentary on yeah, them not, just the other week, day. Yeah, yeah that roughly. Was a week ago. While we were sick of shit in the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. While we were fucked up, you know, and from the sickness, and it's just crazy how like just how you end up being groomed by the childhood and it just sets them up for failure well it seems like it's preparing them to meet the ultimate catalyst of a man or a woman later down the Mm -hmm. line that ultimately results in them ending up on this show yeah and 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 obviously it's only fitting that things would need to be escalated for his fucking gratification absolutely and because i mean you could hear that escalation and gratification (laughs) buckle up bitches it's time to start talking some fucking murder 
So uh, we start with Shannon. Now, Shannon is an 11-year-old neighbor of uh, Doug and Carol. Uh, she was drawn into the apartment by Carol Bundy. Mm -hmm. uh, Douglas tricked her into playing sex games and taking nude pics. Now, I'm going to pass this off to you here, Joe, because you found a blog. So break down this, this quote, because you actually have something directly from Shannon that was on a blog or something. Yeah, yeah. so um, on this particular blog, I won't give out the website address. It, you'll need it from the Discord. You'll have to get into the Discord to find it out. Um, but I actually found where she had replied to a long thread of people saying, oh, that Carol conned uh, Doug into doing all this like fucking fucked up shit. And Which I find fucked up. I mean, because I won't say c clearly Carol, it seems that at this point in time. Yeah. Is is doing this to keep Doug. Yeah. She's mm -hmm. she's but but she but fits she's, a classic case. She she does. And, I'm, and she's fucking nowhere near near being not guilty but when you had told me that like a lot of people were saying that like oh carol manipulated doug and then after going through things so far i don't know how anybody's getting that uh, at, at best you could say that they're both really fucked up and manipulated each other that's yeah. fine that's a yeah. fair enough ass assessment but if you want to try to pin something here carol apart from i, I mean again we're, we, we gotta look at the backgrounds carol had Versus the background Doug had and the things Carol did before meeting was Doug versus what Doug did. And he was a victimizer. Exactly. Exactly. Again, that's no excuse. Again, no. if you want to call it a 50-50 split, that's fine. But I don't see how anybody can sit here at least from where They were talking about evidence so and all this other bullshit. So I end up finding this fucking blog reply from Shannon and she was actually recounting how fucked up Douglas really was. So read this show. This is the direct quote. This read is a this direct from, quote. from her response. There was no need to press the molestation charges i was spared that little slice of hell but i did get a lovely dose of him telling me how big a liar i was him practically begging me to recant the and lie for him even while he gave me such memorable memorable presence like a full description of how he had planned on murdering me on the eve of my 12th birthday and a promise that he would visit me because we were meant to be together he had a reporter named McNamara mail and uh, mail it to me i had to call the prison and several victim assistance programs to beg for help because i had a horrid fear that he would visit me and i would die as horribly as his other victims or that he would inflict that upon some other family member i am not just someone i am one of his victims i am one of the few that lived and i'm very lucky for that end quote and i actually she did leave her email address i did message her before we started recording this podcast and i told her hey i'm gonna use one of your direct quotes i hope this fucking email finds you well and i completely agree i do not understand why people are trying to call him a victim in this situation when you were clearly one of his very favorite victims and shannon if by chance you listen to this i'm so fucking sorry you have to listen to us we're uh we we do the things the way that we do it and again and these, i hope you don't take our humor as no, any way as being insensitive because no. it was really fucked up for you to have gone through that and been groomed the way you were right and part of the reason why we do it the way we these are heinous shits that's already happened yeah history is history no matter what angle you decide to take it from and then, then believe me, if we, and we wanted, process if we, it with humor, absolutely. And, and not we, everybody does. Yeah. And if we wanted to not do that, we'd probably be a far more successful fucking <laughs> podcast, but we'd be one of thousands yeah. 
tens of thousands that just cover the basis of the facts. We, Like I said, everybody deals with shit the way they do. We deal with it in the terms of humor. Uh, and again, we've, we never mean any offense to anybody that's affected by it. But at the no. same time, we're not we're not apologetic and shit like that. But uh, so, yeah, Shannon, if you do happen to listen to this, very regardless of how fucked up you think our podcast is, we're very fucking glad that you were at least alive and survived to be able to put that up. Uh, so Doug wanted to up the ante with killing a woman while raping her so he could feel her, quote, this is, quote, death contractions on his dick. Yeah. You put tiny dick. Yeah, it's it's mentioned several times uh, about how Carol would mention it, a couple of his victims that survived. Yeah. That yeah. Doug was, was, was hung like a fucking church mouse. He was a micropenis. Ah, Hitler so, had a micro penis supposedly. <laughs> but again, that leads that lends credence to how he kind of he, he operated in life. Like he was always trying to overcompensate for a small yeah. member. Yeah, fair. I mean, fair enough. Uh, he uh, he actually convinced Carol Bundy to buy him two pistols after uh, the, the the incident with Shannon. Mm-hmm. So now, Joe, bring us up. This takes us to late April of 1980. Yeah, so um, this is where he crossed paths with Charlene. Um, she was actually a street worker. She'd agreed to a $40 blowjob. Charlene is a fantastic hooker name <laughs> for someone hooking in the 80s. I'm just going to go ahead and put that fucking out there. I, you know, regardless of what's about to fucking be said, which I'm sure it's fucking bad, just wanted to point that she's out. She's a go badass. Ahead. No, she's a badass. Okay. So she agrees to this $40 blowjob and and she described him in detail including so his, she survived yes she survived. okay yes including his very small penis as he pressed a knife to the back of her fucking neck so she's over there trying to give him the blowjob she's Jeez. in her head like oh my god this thing's so small like i, yeah, <laughs> I need I some i need I some tweezers i cannot stroke the way i need to stroke <laughs> and a bitch in the 80s named charlene needs to fucking stroke i'll go ahead and fucking tell you that for nothing right now she is not ready for a small piece <laughs> um so he presses a fucking knife to the back of her neck and at this point she begins like fucking going frantic she fights right. him off that's a that's a fucking threat yeah exactly that's but- the kind of shit you got to agree upon there's gonna be more you're gonna owe more than 40 bucks for a blowjob involving a knife with a chick named Charlene in the fucking 80s. I promise you that, dreadheads. Well, she fights him off, but not before she was actually stabbed several fucking times Ugh. in her fucking back. She was actually able, after she was infl- these wounds were inflicted on her, was able to push her way out of the vehicle. So she had like used her like feet and like pushed up against him, got him off of her, pushed again, and was somehow able to unlatch the fucking door. Wow! So she falls out of the vehicle, fucking bloody, bleeding, and Douglas then throws her fucking jacket and shoes out of the vehicle and speeds fucking off and somehow again she survives this fucking attack right so now that takes us dreadheads to june 11th of 1980 and we got a couple of names here gina morano she was 15 at the time yes uh and cynthia chandler who was 16 at the time they were runaway stepsisters now uh douglas clark sees gina and cynthia at a bus stop on the sunset strip again these are the sunset strip killers so you know fucking obvious uh, he, uh, Doug, convinces Cindy to come along with him as long as Gina comes along as well. After some persuasion and smooth talking and promising him that he doesn't have a micro penis and that he's totally not recording the conversation and he's definitely he's, not going to take pictures. He's wearing jockeys, not fucking Victoria's Secrets. Uh, they, they both enter the vehicle. 
Uh, once they're parked in an isolated parking lot, Doug forced Cindy to give him a blowjob, uh, telling Gina to look away. Uh, she probably didn't have to look away. She wasn't going to see anything anyway because his you. dick's so small, apparently. Uh, so Doug then pulled out a gun and shoots Gina behind the ear. So now, don't forget, Gina's the one that's that's not doing this. She's, yeah, she's sitting in the back seat while this is all going down. So he pops up the gun and sees her and tries to, you know, put a bullet in her head. Right. And as Cindy sits up, he shoots her in the head. Neither of them were dead. And he ended up having to actually shoot them again. Not only does he have a micro penis, he's an awful goddamn shot, even at fucking close range. Uh, maybe the gun was too big. Yeah. Wasn't used to, wasn't used to fucking holding maybe on handling to something that like kind of size. Jesus, what the? <laughs> I didn't, what is recoil? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, he then took their bodies to the Burbank garage that he actually was renting. Uh, and there he took photos of him. Uh, pushing their faces, so he's posing them. He's yeah. posing their dead bodies. He's yeah. pushing, he's uh, making them simulate oral sex on he's each other's dead bodies. He's rejoicing in his crime. Yeah, yeah, small dick move for sure. Yeah, uh, and then he proceeded to orally and and vaginally uh, sexually assault Cindy's corpse, and then actually. Ugh, sodomized Gina's corpse. And that's even more disgusting because we know what happens to bodies once they die. Like, yep. you know what happens to yep. your corpse. If you want a comical take on that, watch Visitor Q by Takashi Miike. <laughs> it's so it's funny, but it's really fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Doug then dumps their bodies down the side of an embankment on the forest lawn on ramp of the westbound Ventura Freeway near Disney Studios. Okay, so I put Christ. that in there. Yeah, exactly. I put it in there because what a wholesome place. And families are on their way and they would possibly see that. All right, you're just on your way to the house of fucking mouse and God damn, there's just ugh, yeah. gross. Uh, Clark came home uh, to and and told carol what he had done uh the afternoon of june 14th of 1980 so just a few days removed uh carol bundy uh going under the alias of betsy called the van nuys police department now she reported the murders but she did not disclose her or douglas's involvement in any of it and so the reports were not even taken seriously no on later that same night of the June 14th of 1980, uh, Douglas told Carol to watch the news. Yeah. So at this point, Vic Weiss was found dead in the trunk of his Rolls Royce in the parking lot of the Sheraton Universal Hotel. Doug told Carol that the hit was part of, a, of an initiation into a fucking mafia group? Yeah, so Vic Weiss, what I could find, a, I kind of pull, he was like an agent to like an NBA player or like some like high-end like basketball player back in the day. I didn't do a lot of digging. I don't like basketball. I, I really don't like commercial sports in general. I was like, oh, he was an agent for somebody. Whoopty fucking do. Um, but it was a big thing that happened on He was on well known, certainly yeah. enough, in, that, in those parts. Exactly. Gotcha. So, yeah, and he... It, that hit was all across the news and he claimed that he was the one who did it. 
All right. Well, Joe, that takes us to the following day, June 15th of 1980. Yeah, this brings us to uh, Marnette Comer, uh, 17. Douglas actually drove Carol to the ravine near Footland, or Foothill Boulevard, where he had actually dumped her body to explain how Carol's vehicle was actually damaged during the killing when Comer had kicked the gear shift and like broke it off of the shaft. So at this point, Carol hasn't participated in any murders. No. The only okay. thing she's guilty of this point is, is Shannon. grooming Shannon. Right, yeah. right. And again, that, that's it's enough. Still, it's enough. That's, that's fucking yeah, enough. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just making all. sure I haven't missed anything no, here. No, so you this, haven't. Okay, so it, okay. All right, yeah, enough, so ahead. he brings her there technically to just kind of show off and like talk shit and it makes, it bolsters his ego. Yeah, look how big um, my dick is. And Comer's background is actually, she had ran away from her Sacramento home and was working as a hooker on the Sunset Strip, so i.e. Sunstrip Killers. Um, Comer's belongings were actually gifted to 11-year-old Shannon, the neighbor from the first crime. And she's going to come up a lot, and that's why I actually reached out so to is, her. So, so, so they're still talking and involved with Shannon at this point? Throughout this whole thing. So, But she's not kidnapped and staying with them? No, she's a neighbor, and I guess under the guise of Carol, and especially when you're younger, it's really easy to kind of be made to feel like, oh, it's my fault, or this is normal, this is how you get attention. And, right, because oh, she's this... only 11. Exactly, so she, it, it, it's that primordial wet cement stage of life, you know? Um, so that's why she was kind of, she's brought up multiple times throughout this, y'all, I'll, I'll put it out there. Um, but this does bring us to June 20th of 1980 um, and quote unquote Kathy. But so we got she, a Jane Doe here. Exactly. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. 17 year old Jane Doe at that. Exactly. So um, this was Carol and Douglas's very first joint murder. Okay. And, so so here we go. Here yeah, we go. Yeah. So Kathy agreed to a $30 blowjob and they drove behind a gas station on the corner of Franklin and Holland Avenue. And if Carol was going to kill Kathy, she was to say, boy, am I having fun and quote um and she would then use the 25 caliber raven that was tucked away in her purse to sh- actually shoot the prostitute now he couldn't get hard and motion carol hey no don't shoot her um but he then gestured for carol's gun and then shot kathy so he he he, I he guess, didn't want her to kill her unless he was erect i guess so i i don't get Fucking it it's shit. about it's his whole thing with like wanting to feel somebody escape death around his dick like it's the weirdest goddamn thing. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so they end up driving somewhere near like magic. So he, so he, so he's telling her, "Hey, don't shoot. Give me the gun. Give me the gun. Let me do it." And and so so then yeah, he and then she, kills. At that point, the she's Jane an Doe accomplice Kathy. to the fucking crime if she passes over the gun because well, it was kind of sure. ex- it was kind of explained there. So there's two guns. He she had bought two guns. Right. He has one tucked in the seat. He can't get to it because of how Kathy's leaned over him. Right. He motions for Carol to give him the gun. She gives it to him, and that's when he pops her well, in the I fucking mean, head. It's probably part of a, of the slave master power move shit like that and things like that of like oh no hand me my weapon. Exactly. Let me have all the power. Well they end up driving up near like Magic, Ma- uh, Magic Mountain Amusement Park. I've heard it actually mentioned several times in like different shows I've watched. Gotcha. Um, but they end up finding a gravel road nearby and drug her body about 20 feet into the bush and left Kathy to die. So she wasn't dead dead. Again a shit fucking shot in a close fucking range. I mean, dude, if a girl's head is in your lap blowing you, I, I cannot. How do you, you fucking fuck that up? Yeah, he's just a shit shot. He's, just, he's, he's just, a, I mean, he's an overall shit fucking just, individual. He's inadequate 
in every way. Thank you. All right, June 21st of 1980. So a day later, later we got Exie Wilson. That's a sweet name. I know, E-X-X-I-E, right? X X I E Wilson and Karen Jones. Uh, Exie Wilson enters Doug's vehicle. Uh, they drive behind the uh, the Studio City Sizzler. I'm gonna I guess. I, hadn't, I wanted to say Sizzler because I was I'm like, thinking, I hadn't seen a Sizzler in God knows how long. Dude, I was like, I, fucking Sizzler was great. Yeah, <laughs> apparently it's a good place to go get fucking blowies in the backside of it. <laughs> Uh, so he, he, they, they drive around behind there, and he shoots her. Uh, now, interestingly, Dreadheads, she, she, she bit his dick, and this pissed him off so much that he decapitated her. Yeah, so while he, sh- he after he shot her. He got inches to spare. You can't be chewing on that <laughs> motherfucker. But so, like, he got pissed off because it was like, you know, a, a, an automatic reaction. She was already dead. So he, like, shoots oh, her and so the jaw like, clenched down. Oh, okay. So she didn't, like, bite <laughs> No. Okay. No. Right. I, read I, that, I, I read I, that I out of order there. No, no, no. I, I put it out of order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Okay, all right. Like, ain't nothing wrong with a little nibble, but, you know, I'm not fucking... teeth dragon. Yeah, I'm not fucking... But no, she bit down fucking, out of, like, you know, like, just... Yeah, uh, the, the, re, yeah, the muscle, recoil... Yeah, yeah the muscles muscle and all that other yeah. shit. Okay, all right, fair enough. So, uh, yeah, he decapitated her, dumped her body, uh, and stuffed the head into a bag... And just tossed it into his back yeah, seat all willy nilly. Yeah, just it up all in there in the fucking back seat and floorboard. That's cool. I'm sure that doesn't have any kind of fucking spraying effect or anything like that. Uh, worried that her uh, her additional her other you know prostitute friends would end up identifying him, he returned to the same spot on the Sunset Strip and picked up Karen Jones. Uh, he then drove her behind Burbank Studios shot her in the head and dumped her body. Mm-hmm. Now him and Carol ended uh, end up playing with Exie's head. Yeah. Uh Carol oh fuck. Okay. Yeah. Carol uh put makeup on it so Doug could sexually gratify himself with it. Mm-hmm. Two days later, they you know thoroughly cleaned the head and all that other stuff, placed it in a wooden box that Carol bought and dumped it in a, a random alleyway. Uh, July 29th of 1980, so uh, we got about a, a little over a month on this one here, Dreadheads, in between. Carol Bundy actually attempts suicide. Now, uh, Doug and Carol's relationship was in shambles. Obviously, this is not the best relationship environment going on here. No. Um, and after moving in together, he was rarely home and would only participate participate in sexual acts if the aforementioned 11-year-old Shannon was involved. Uh, and mind you, this is an apartment. It wasn't a one-bedroom. It was actually a two-bedroom. So they were actually, like, roommates. Like, uh, yeah, that's how they kind of played it off. Jesus. So Carol ends up injecting herself with a pretty good cocktail here, Dreadheads. Uh, you, you read this. You have the medical. I actually didn't look. Here. I didn't actually look up the one of the medications I should have. But twelve or twelve hundred and fifty units of fucking insulin, hundred so milligrams. So that's what you were talking about. That okay, she had mm-hmm. insulin on hand. So yeah, your exactly. your assumption that maybe that eyesight thing was a degenerative problem from diabetes. Well, it's, it's mentioned in diabetes, and it's actually mentioned by one of the prisoners that she went. She was in prison with. Okay, as but this well. is at least the first example we have of her having some sort of diabetic 
Yeah. Uh, paraphernalia yeah, around her. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's twelve hundred. Because I don't just you, have insulin fucking laying no, around my house because nobody here. Yeah. Nobody here's exactly. diabetic. Yeah. So she uh, shot herself up with twelve hundred and fifty fucking units of insulin, a hundred milligrams of uh, librium, librium, l i b r i u m. Librium. Librium. I didn't look it up. I'm not sure. I I have probably you know, something they don't even make anymore. I know exactly. I I, I say I have a medication book somewhere here in the house. Um, she also. Sw- uh, swallowed a hundred milligrams of uh, the same medication and tablet right. form, and then she left a note for Douglas. And it was kind of speculated that she hoped he would kind of read it and come to rescue her. Kind of a thing for attention. And yeah, exactly. Maybe it would kind of like fucking save the relationship. It was like a call for Some help. Some people have kids. To save the relationship, <laughs> some people fucking take copiate, copiate amounts of diabetic drugs and just hope for the best. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Neither's so, a good look, dreadheads. Don't do either one of them. She, while she was in this like weird fa- uh, like um, haziness, she ended up driving two blocks in her vehicle. Certainly shouldn't have. My first exactly. Thing is not be like, all right, I know gave myself say, yeah. as many. I've gave myself enough medicine to try to kill myself. Let's go for a little drive. Like <laughs> I should get behind the wheel. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> I could take someone with me if I could. <laughs> yeah. Like she ended up driving uh, roughly about two blocks. Fucking passes out, and then I think there was like at some point she mentions that she kind of came to while the paramedics were dealing with her. Right. And uh, she was actually taken to St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank. Now, obviously, Doug never fucking showed up, so Carol, you know, went to her fail safe and ended up calling Jack Murray for a ride home. The that's Australian. The, country singer exactly as soon as I'm done with my set list I'll be right there to fucking and that drive shows you home you, that shows you her priorities like oh I want Doug to recognize that oh he won't pay me any attention okay I guess Jack Murray's good enough like so she's constantly keeping she's still not calling up good dick can we still point that out? Now, Good Dick is still. She, it's she, it's not explained, but uh, eventually it, he's his name comes back up. So and he was he's friends Good with Dick. her. Of he's friends with her throughout all of this. Jesus, yeah, Good to Dick. an extent. Um, so not enough Good Dick in this world, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> in either or, neither nor. And I'm just gonna keep. I'm just gonna keep fucking hounding that. Jesus Christ. I wish I had dick like that. Oh, well, fuck you, because we've been together 17 goddamn years. You're, you're not dick. <laughs> you're good, but you're not good dick. <laughs> so this brings... God damn it. I'll take over now. Yeah, August 1st, because I'm, I'm not giggling. I'm being sincere here. August 1st, 1980, Carol picks up Shannon. Again, this is the 11-year-old neighbor that they are continuously involving in, in their sexual fucking tragedies uh and drops her off for douglas so she could go see jack so hey here's shannon for you i'm gonna go down to little nashville and maybe someone i know is playing there uh douglas takes shannon cruising the sunset strip where he picks up a prostitute shannon was then forced to sit in the back seat and watch him receive a blow job he uh then drops shannon off at home with the hooker still in his car He later told Carol that he had shot the prostitute in the back of the head while she was giving him a blowjob. The second Uh, time. The second time. Sorry. Oh, so, so, okay. So he gets, he gets another round. So he ends up killing her. Okay. So he ends up killing the prostitute afterwards. Uh, Later corpse in the trunk of the car and fucked her dead body while yeah. in the trunk of the car. No, no, no. He later crossed the trunk while oh, the car was on still the trunk. on. Okay, yeah. so, okay, so on the back end of the car, the trunk, uh, commits necrophilia with this hooker mm-hmm. that he has now killed and then dumped her in the Antelope Valley. Uh, two days later, Joe, it's August 3rd, 1980. 
here comes Jack Murray again. Yes. So our, our Aussie fucking country singer that was the her, guy in her Carol's side life piece, before. His side piece, whatever you want Who to call it. Who yeah. fucking knows? Good Lord. So throughout this ordeal, Carol was obviously, uh, obviously still seeing Jack Murray because, you know, Doug also had random girlfriends he would like live with and fucking fornicate with god damn it who would want to touch him but anyways but kara was telling jack about her involvement don't underestimate the power of man with a micro penis and silk underwear <laughs> well it was kind of discussed uh, a little bit and i didn't go into the great details like the first time ever having sex like there was way too much goddamn detail but essentially he was great with his mouth and his tongue he made up for the fact of his you know little bit of endowment and you know what public <laughs> service announcement right now to anybody who might be packing a fucking <laughs> A uh, fuck. <laughs> anybody? Exactly where it anybody got, who it, might? Anybody who might be packing a Doug problem down there? Look, we none of that us. That should be the new phrase: a Dougie Dick. Yeah, if you got a if you got a Dougie Dick. Look, we don't. We didn't line up as fucking souls before we got put on this earth. I'm us, on that one. Us, yeah, exactly. Us penis owning people and say, hey, you know what? I, I like a lot of those big black ones over there, but you know what? I think I'll take that cute little white one the in the corner. The equivalent is saying, hey, I want the nice, pretty pink one, or the one that looks like an open face fucking roast beef sandwich. Like you can't right. fucking Ladies choose. Ladies can't deal with that either. <laughs> It's like but throwing you, a hot some, dog down a hallway. Denying <laughs> that you got a Dougie dick is only going to make things fucking worse. It's going to turn, turn you into a Dougie. You got to fucking learn how to work. Them. Get you one of them hand exercisers. <laughs> get those knuckle muscles good so that you could fucking, you know, do a little bobbing and weaving while you got those hands down there. Work on some tongue shit. <laughs> there are ways around it. You don't have to be the next Doug Clark dreadheads. <laughs> and I don't want that for any of us. All right. Continue, Joe. <laughs> Got that God, off my chest now. I can't. <laughs> I can't continue. All right. So August 3rd, 1980, Jack Murray comes back into the picture. So now throughout all of this, Carol was still seeing Jack Murray because he was a country Aussie star. Probably had a massive fucking wing. Fucking as thick as a Foster's can. Baganabi, boys. Absolutely. <laughs> just just down there swinging that fucking. Yeah, they don't call it down under for fucking nothing. Uh, and Douglas also had random girlfriends and, of course, a lot of prostitutes that he killed. But Kara was telling Jack about her involvement with Douglas. So and that's the difference in the relationships. Where, right. Yeah, yeah Doug she, wanted yeah, yeah, to do Jack knows things. what's going on. Yeah. I know you ain't just fucking me, love. It's fine. You know, but, but you know, that's not the, the way it is. So, so Jack uh, alluded that uh, he needed to tell the police. So, I mean, Carol's spilling all the fucking beans to To him. a certain extent. She yeah. even went as far as kind of showing, like, Dougie's fucking bag of, like, uh, of tools, you know, yeah. like she knives, got a taste guns, of She kept getting shit. that Hobart hammer down there and fucking, <laughs> she was wrecked after that shit. Just all she could do was just start telling the truth. And so Jack, you know, she's like, it's pretty fucked up, love. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to go to the fucking... Oh, the fucking coppers well, on this but, one. But see, it lends credence. I'm like, okay, well, she was still able to lure him to his van with the promise of sex. Like, girl was not the prettiest thing in the world. Was not. Well, you got to think. But uh, she look, was fucking laying it on him. I was like, though, oh, I like, want but, this. But look at, look, at, look at what basically got Doug so infatuated with yeah. her. I mean, early, we don't kink shame here as long as everyone's no. consenting and, and everyone's agreeing. And y'all ain't doing nothing fucking illegal. We yeah, ain't about kink shaming well, at I mean, all. If it's a, if it's, I mean, there's some countries that's illegal as long as it's not overall illegal 
You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're like, well, you can't do that in fucking, you know, Afghanistan. Well, you know, there's a lot of shit you can't do there. So, you know, it's subjective. But she was clearly very open sexually. So I'm sure, you know, yeah. Willing to please. Exactly. And I'm going to tell you what. To a uh, deficit of her own character. Tell you what, fellas. A thick bitch with an open mind. Whew. Marriage material. I know. It happened to me 17 (laughs) years ago. Uh, but yeah, so, so, so Jack was, he was sitting there like, holy fuck, you know, holy fuck. This is, you know, I gotta fucking tell somebody, uh, Carol lured him, you know, he's like, hey, I'm gonna tell the police. And she's like, Hey, well, before you go tell the police, let's go to your van and you pop this pussy one more the time. Same van. She was tricked into paying off. Mind you, this is almost kind of poetic because he should <laughs> have, you. he should not have fucking fucked her Thank out of 10 you. large for this fucking van. Thank you. But and back them money. Right. Like so what this the is a fuck nice was van. this shag fucking orange, Dude, burnt orange sh- fucking carpet Bro, with the wolf there's 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 <laughs> shag on the side there's oh like a wolf rainbow yes there's a viking somewhere <laughs> probably on the tire cover on the back Bl- this van had a ladder that's how you know how it's a good van <laughs> and there was there was shag carpeting inside the glove box it was all through fucking out oh of it um so she gets him into the van and carol shoots jack twice in the head and stabs him repeatedly she decapitated his body uh, due to the, the the evidence embedded in his head. Yeah, you have to think about it. So she, uh, prior to this, Doug had always kind of explained that, oh, you know, I kind of removed some of the evidence. But this was like a crime of passion because she did actually have a lot of feelings for Jack oh, yeah. Murray. And she was kind of pissed. She had to kill him. Exactly, because like, she it. had disclosed too much. Yeah. She's pissed off about the situation. She's pissed off at how Doug's treating her. And she She's probably pissed felt, off about how well, Jack. She probably felt her. that she that that she loved him enough to be able to tell him that, and then him and betray that's her. betrayal. Exactly. He, uh, now, now finally the fine. Now she finally gets that Jack Murray does not like her as much as she she liked liked him. Yeah. He did not like like her. Now, another layer of this shit storm. So I didn't put it in the notes. I actually had read it and I couldn't corroborate it. But it was speculated that Carol actually offered Shannon to Jack Murray at some point. Yeah, this is so fucking oh, 11 like, year old. Like, oh, like, oh, well, this worked for Doug. Maybe you'll love me if I do this yeah. for you, too. So and a part of what the the the. The, the straw that cro- uh, that broke the camel's back was that she had kind of offered up Shannon and on this second what encounter the, what the fuck are you talking about no he was into it supposedly oh. he got a fondler and touch her supposedly so this is uh, probably like per one source you didn't have enough corroboration exactly. you know gotcha. how I am okay. with the notes and supposedly he got a fondler and shit and when he she uh, when she got into his favorite position from what I could understand from the note or from what I read was doggy style when he bent her over and he pretty much they said they call like, it dingo style down there actually <laughs> if you want to be culturally appropriate about this you shouldn't be laughing. You should just continue. I was trying to, just trying to be, just trying to be respectful. God damn! I gotta stop drinking. Right <laughs> so, God damn. So he puts her in a doggy position, and as he's, which lit- is kind of fucked up too, because that goes to like you know, like let's fuck, but. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to see your fucking yeah. face. Like, thank you, thank <laughs> oh. you. Yeah. So not like doggy as much as the next guy. But like if you're, if she's like, I don't know, he just likes to fuck me from behind. Eh, he's not that into thank you. Thank you. I mean, he's it, into you because he's behind, behind you. you, but he's not into yeah. your face or anything else <laughs> yeah. on the front. Yeah, Apart like from very schlong, degrading. Nothing else is into you. Ooh, schlong. I know. I wanted to say it. It's been a while. <laughs> 
It didn't feel good, honestly, I saying say it shouldn't. either. I'd, Shame on it you. It was a little gaggy. <laughs> Go ahead. God damn it. Ugh. So essentially, he bends her over, pushes her face into that orange shag carpet and says, this is what I want to do with Shannon. And at that moment Ugh. in time, in her head, part of this account was she knew she was going to fucking kill him. That was the last straw. She like He had no respect for her, didn't garner in any kind of way. She o- He only wanted to use her to get to Shannon. Um, gotcha. So that was the reason that you know she ends up shooting him twice in the fucking head. Uh, yeah, another guy, and another, another man I love. Him. I'm not good enough for. Exactly. And, they, and, and I'm not, not only am I not good enough for him, but a fucking 11 year old kid is what they would honestly fucking prefer. Yeah. Uh, so and yeah. it goes to show you what, what what type of men she tended to attract. You know, she was attracting her father essentially over and over and over again. Somebody she could never please. Somebody she could never satisfied that was always going to make her feel you know belittled and also attracted to minors exactly ding 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 Ugh. um so she ended up fucking decapitating his head because she was worried about the bullets being lodged in it and gotcha. that's the reason why she you know took it back to her house and that's where carol and douglas eventually disposed of the head in, a- in an alley near griffith park now jack murray's stinking goddamn corpse actually was not found until august 9th of 1980. So, all right, dreadheads, we're getting near the end of all of this fuckery. Thanks for hanging in to us. I know, you know, we usually keep it under an hour. We've went over an hour for better or fucking worse here. Sorry, y'all. I, didn't I think for better. <laughs> Again, I, I love when there's notes this, this detailed and, and the jokes are flowing just like the beer is. So, whatever. August 11th of 1980, Carol suffers a breakdown and confesses her crimes to her co-nurses. Yeah, so in the midst of all this shit after her... She's going back to work as a nurse. Yeah, exactly. So she had, you know, obviously she sold the house with um, her ex-husband Bundy, and she's been living right. off of that money. It was a good she bit had, of money. She was getting disability because of her eyes, so I'm guessing, did that stop because of the surgeries and stuff? No, or? so it, it wouldn't stop actually until she went back to work. So she went through all these surgeries, uh, fixed her fucking eyesight, was living off of that money, had been collecting those disability checks, and eventually went back to work as a vocational nurse and now i didn't look up whether whether if that's like an a cna lpn or right. fucking rn in california but she was obviously making decent money but uh regardless she did eventually go back to work in a hospital and she suffered that breakdown and then told her co-workers right so she ends up giving a full confession of her killing jack murray Mm-hmm. And her presence during the killing of quote unquote Kathy, the, the Jane Doe, Doe, the mm-hmm. one that again was was given the blowjob to Doug. Doug couldn't get hard. Kathy had the gun. Kathy was supposed to shoot her. Uh, and, and he sorry, not Kathy, her. Carol. Sorry, Carol. Yeah, Carol, Carol was supposed to shoot Kathy. He said no, but wanted her gun and shot it. So she she just spilled every fucking thing. Uh, Douglas and Carol were arrested at their apartment. Just a short time later. Now, the guns that Carol had previously asked Doug to dispose of were found at his workplace, the Jurgens Soap Factory in Burbank. When and I think Jurgens, I think you. fucking lotion. Thank you. Jerking it to Jurgens. That was all we fucking <laughs> talked about back in the day. And I couldn't figure out if that was the correct place. I, mean, like you, I wouldn't even I on think the Jurgens makes soap too. I, well, I went on the Jurgens website and I couldn't figure out if they had had a location in that vicinity. Probably whitewash that after all this fucking shit. <laughs> 
I don't blame them. They're like, no, that no, we never had. No, never, we never, no, they, we don't make stuff. I, I like, thought you were making a joke with whitewash. <laughs> I, well, you know, my bad. Either way, uh, so but of course, once they get taken in, and, and of course, I like to point out, Doug, obviously keeping memorabilia. This is a guy yeah. who and it was is, giving it, the Shannon. Huh? He was he was given a lot of this fucking like keepsakes well, yeah, I mean, to he's Shannon. Not guns to her, but even the shit that would that was going to ultimately link them back to everything. He clothing, could not let go of it. jewelry, like all of that was given to Shannon. Right, but also as I said, we're talking about the actual firearms used in the fucking yeah. murders that he should have gotten rid of. He's keeping them as keepsakes. You got a touch of narcissism with all of this as well going on with it. His ego, dominance. His it's ego. A, it's a classic trait of fucking narcissism. Yeah, got an ego way bigger than his cock. <laughs> um, so, and of course, once they go in, they start blaming each other for everything. There's no fucking loyalty once you get in the fucking interrogation rooms with most people. Uh, Douglas proclaimed his complete innocence in the crimes throughout the entirety of the ensuing trials that came up mm-hmm. and everything. Oh yeah, it, it, there's there's like a whole fucking like several goddamn articles talking about like oh he had alibis during like certain fucking incidents, motherfuckers. Like if you even for an instance, and I'm I'm gonna say this is like a junior fucking researcher. Like I, I'm not even no junior but, with a capital J. Yeah, like. If you ever think that somebody like fucking Douglas goddamn Clark could corroborate his fucking storylines with street workers. Right. In California, who has, uh, if you're talking about the forensic side of things, like weather tends to like tend, it kind of stays within a baseline, but you can't pinpoint an exact date, especially like late 70s, early fucking 80s. For you to sit there and say, oh, he had alibis for every or for five of the fucking of these murders. There, there's no goddamn way. Well, so do most of the alibis rely on like corroborating testimonies of other like prostitutes Other people, financial not- statements, all this other bullshit. Like, no, there's at least a, th- a two to three day fucking like air, a percentage of error. Yeah, I mean, I, some sometimes I often because I mean I think about that, especially as we do things like this. Mm-hmm. And like, for instance, if like the cops just came and knocked on our door and implemented me in a murder. Where were you the night? I don't fucking know. Thank you. Like, I might have been at home. I may have been here. I don't fucking know. I like some, work. some, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I may have been on the front porch smoking a goddamn cigarette. Like right. what the fuck? Yeah. Sometimes when people know like exactly their their whereabouts, part part of me is like, what kind of fucking psycho are you? Yeah. Like maybe you didn't commit murder. Nobody's got that goddamn type right. Of memory. But yeah. But if you know, nobody, if you can detail your whereabouts like that good to me at least, uh, you know, comment down below if I'm a fucking. <laughs> Absolute fucking read, you know, fucking loser. That's fine. You're going to say a retard. Probably I know well. what you're about to say. Well, a lot of people are going to take advantage and be like, yeah, I'll comment on that. Most of them, most of them are the dreadheads in the discord. But I know we talk, we talk to him daily. He is. But no, sometimes when people have such such a like a good alibi, I find that almost suspicious, which yeah. is probably why I should never be in law enforcement, which is by the by. Uh, either, re- either way, regardless, so May 31st of 83, so like three years after all this, uh, Carol Bundy was sentenced to 52 years to life. Now, Dreadhead, she died from heart failure on December 9th, 2003 at the age of 61. 
So uh, she didn't. She still didn't technically get justice by the hand of the justice system. No, no. It, well, they said fifty-two to life. Honestly, this all took but, place in California. I'm surprised they even <laughs> gave her that many fucking years because we all fucking let California. You, you got problems. All of our Cali dreadheads, y'all be fucking safe. We out love there. y'all because y'all listen. I love but y'all. God, I don't love damn, y'all's fucking, y'all's well, fucking like, states. Yeah, bro. Y'all's laws are fucking weird. You can shit in the street and fucking shoot heroin, but like then at the same time, like I don't know if you fucking accidentally drop a double a battery you're going to fucking jail for at least 10 years now from the same blog where i found shannon's reply i actually end up finding a reply also from somebody who actually spent some time with carol bunny yes, watching the prince lori a is yeah what, is, is what she was known yeah, by yeah so they were in prison together time in prison with her okay, exactly gotcha, okay um and she's quoted as saying yeah, i did direct t- quote here yeah a direct quote i did time with carol and at the end of her life she suffered greatly as was wonderful appropriate and not nearly as much as she should have been but god decides these things and i said god you know prophetically <laughs> this is a quote so yeah. this is this is Lori's things <laughs> yeah, not ours not ours um but God decides these things, and fortunately, he did put the screws to her. The diabetes she had took her eyesight, and very few ever treated her with more than cruelty. So uh, it went around in so a... So she went around. So she went around in a black world, not able to identify her tormentors. Then the diabetes started causing sores, and I know they were painful. They never healed, and Carol took that pain to a sick bed, which then became her death deathbed appropriate period oh hell yes period right so i mean then again again i love how she mentions god and i'm like why well, it would have been great if god could have stepped in and made sure she didn't meet doug or yeah i love, yeah. How, I love and how put sheen into the yeah. fucking god god, god yeah god always seems to come in at the end there to be like all right now i'll fucking oh, show yeah. up the yeah. brush his fucking shoulders I, off. i'm god, not trying to be a shithead but yeah i mean come on now but but again yeah. that is a direct quote and again there is something to that because yeah i mean at least you got to suffer yeah and even though she was actually only ever convicted for Jack Murray's killing and the fact that she was there for the... Quote, the Kathy. The, 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 the Jane Doe, Doe who was course, like 17. Her part was Shannon. Yeah. She wasn't convicted of that, but there's... It's all... I mean, she... Thank you know, goodness Shannon didn't have to fucking go on that fucking... Absolutely. But what pisses month. me off greatly... <laughs> let's talk about what happened to Doug Clark. Oh, yeah. And Dreadheads, it's really fucking short and sweet. He was sentenced to death in 83, and he remains on California's death row to this day. And as of the time of this recording, we're recording this. You're listening to it on February 22nd of 2023. I think his birthday's March 10th. He's going to be 75 in a matter of fucking weeks. Still kicking around, seemingly... Uh, yeah. still in I, I decent help for no, his No, I shared the picture on our fucking Discord. Is oh, they're flipping people off who's taking a picture of him through his fucking cell door. Yeah. Like, he's so goddamn unabashed. His fucking micro-penis. And, and it's... I, I hope to God he fucking listens to this. Oh, he, he <laughs> well, he may. I don't know. That kind of narcissism. I hope somebody conveys. I hope he conveys it, or somebody conveys it to him. His whole, uh, the, he'll listen to all of this. Your micro penis, it's, it's nothing to He'll listen home, to all of this about. and be at the end, be like, well, it's not that small. Oh, well. Like, I'm not, <laughs> but like, it's like, it, it's just further it's, uh, with him. Maybe that's why he liked pedophilia so much, because of his small member. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, that's a good point, but fuck, it hurts to think about it. Anyway, well. anyway, but, but, but yeah, I mean, so 
I don't know. Part of me still find I I I I find it fucked up that and how anybody how anybody could sit there and say that Carol was the mani- the grand manipulator, the yeah. puppeteer behind the fucking the veil. Fuck off. Well, I mean, Y'all honestly, are fucking honestly, stupid to honestly, sit there and believe that. Yeah, shit. and honestly, at this point, again, even if you think that, I don't know. Like, give to me. I I don't want to split hairs or anything like that, but. There's something far more tragic about Carol's side of this mm-hmm. than Doug's side of this because Carol, she was groomed at a fucking exactly, young age. When we, when we talked about earlier, dreadheads, we talked about the childhood of both of these. Uh huh. Everything that turns out with Carol makes sense because of the environment. Again, that's never a fucking excuse. Carol's environment is no different than probably some of y'all's upbringings. Yeah. And y'all ain't out there doing and this I've kind of shit. And I've always said this. I've always said this. is like if you, you can be a victim up until a certain age. And then if your rationale um, doesn't kind of like uh, go over a certain threshold, you then become a victimizer. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. You become victim, then you become victimizer. And that is what she did. Well, yeah, she because victimized Sheena. She victimized uh, yeah. Jack Murray to an extent. I. It, she deserved what happened. She's not 100% to her. innocent. She deserved exactly. what happened to her because you can when you're when you're as a victim you have two you have two possible outcomes. Mm-hmm. You either become a protector or you become a predator. Yep. And th- th- that that that's usually it because you cannot ignore what happened. Yeah. It's going it has shaped you. It's turned you into the human that you are for the rest of your life, which is why without most dealing victims, with it, yeah, something is going victims, to happen. Most victims yeah. turn into again, they they turn into predator. Or they turn into protector. Either they're out there trying to make sure the world has less people who have the upbringing they did, or they go out and they pass it on to others. Mm-hmm. Carol got hers. What fucking kills me about this mm-hmm. is that much like how Doug got away with so much in his adolescence and his teens, uh, with just a lot of people kind of ignoring it and moving on to the next thing and letting it go. That shit has still happened. He's still alive. He's still fucking kicking. And still professing his fucking innocence, mind you. Of course. Everybody- still going through the fucking appeals process. So the only reason fucking California sucks so much goddamn ass. Yeah. Well, everybody in prison's innocent, don't you know? But now we could stay here for probably another 30 minutes and just <laughs> rant on about all of this dreadheads. Usually we, again, thank y'all for listening. I know there's Especially tons. Especially if you made it to this point. I know a lot of, well, a lot of y'all enjoy these longer episodes. We try not to make our episodes long just for the sake of being long. Yeah. Uh, but again, Joe did fucking kudos to you, Woo-hoo. babes. You did great on these fucking notes. <laughs> and it just lended itself to a great conversation. But that is, was, shall forever be episode. Episode 57 about Carol Ann Bundy and and Doug Doug Clark, Clark. the Sunset Strip Killers. We hope y'all enjoyed that, whatever that may mean in the world of fucking Spread the Dread. But (laughs) there you go. Let's wrap it down real quick. Don't forget SpreadTheDreadPodcast.com. You'll find links to all of our podcast episodes, YouTube, BitChute, IG, Facebook, the store, and our Patreon 
Even if you're just morbidly curious, go check out patreon.com slash spread the dread podcast and see all the different stuff that we offer there. Again, no matter what tier you sign up for, you get access to the exclusive Patreon only spread the dread podcast discord. (laughs) Yes. And if you have access to that, we're doing polls on there. You get to pick an FF, a triple FMK episode every month and we're only doing fucked up movies. So you guys get to pick one of those. Tons of discussion. Again, we got crime uh, uh, scene If you only subscribe to Patreon to wrangle in fucking Greg Barry and goddamn Marty, like, do that. <laughs> Help I, us the goddamn Don't, out. don't, don't. Give it. Don't. If that's your mission. And Jay. If that's your mission, go to the, go to the lowest tier and ignore <laughs> Discord. You're not going to wrangle them. They're all hopeless. At this point, we can't do anything but ban them, and we're not going to do that. No, so we're we we're at their mercy as well. No. The rats have taken over the ship, dreads head, dreadheads. But again, that's uh, for, for everyone who subscribes to the Patreon. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, make sure you leave a five-star review. Screenshot that shit. Send that screenshot to us on IG, Facebook, or spread the dread podcast at gmail.com, along with your mailing address, and we will send you out some free five-star super spreader, spread the dread podcast.com stickers don't forget this upcoming episode of fright flick fuck mary kill will be us talking about skin of rink and a week well not a week but the next monday the 27th of february it's gonna be a brand new talking dread where i'm gonna be uh i already uh had the interview with james harberson he is a horror author you do not want to miss it make sure you check that out uh one big final shout out to criminal af ig criminal af pod they are our promo uh swap for this week thank y'all love dave and garrett despite and what your they dropping do. numbers <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so fucking sorry you didn't research us as <laughs> much as we did you. So if your numbers pick up, I promise you it's a lot of fucked up people. So get ready for some really weird comments Buckle and things up, of bitches. that nature. Yes, very much. And closing out, we want to thank our Patreon, Sophomore Dreadheads, Phantom Atropos. Don't forget, Phantom, jump into the Discord if that's not your thing. All groovy. We appreciate your uh, your subscribing regardless. Your dedication. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Junior Dreadheads, Casey J and Chris O and Senior Dreadhead Chris. And the last three you mentioned were sending out y'all shit at uh actually yes, today. Yes, Christopher <laughs> R, Casey J, Chris O, y'all's free monthly merch, which this uh the month of February and March is a set of buttons, spread the dread podcast buttons, and a fright flick fuck Mary kill button. I threw some extra shit in. I see, that's the way we do it. That's what we over we over order and so we have to over deliver because we, we can't store any more of our merch here because no one's fucking buying it. <laughs> no, but 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 thank our fucking patrons so much. Thank you for listening. Uh, is there anything else you could think of, Joe? Mm, no. All right. <laughs> That's it. That's gonna be that is that that's the last episode for Killer Couples. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Really? Yes, it is because next Wednesday's the first. Because we were sick as shit and we lost the week. Yes, but next Sorry, we, next Wednesday's the first. So the yeah, South that's sucks this, for fucking this, allergies. Yes, absolutely. And upper respiratory shit. Like absolutely. we got Absolutely. But hopefully these three February last year on February did Black History Month. <laughs> so this this year we did both with Alton uh, Coleman and Deborah Although Brown. Although Valette was talking about doing like an Asian uh, Asian month in what in June. Nobody knows y'all have a month. Fuck off. Don't get, get mad at me. Y'all need a better campaign like the gays and the blacks have. I know when their months are. 
I always know when it's Black History Month and Pride Month. I, I don't can't... know. Log on to HBO or whatever fucking month it is or uh, whatever I log into HBO for Adult Swim and South Park episodes. That's <laughs> and, and The Last of Us. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, thank you all so much for listening. And uh, I guess let's wrap it up as always by saying I'm John. And I'm Joe. And look, it's fucked up enough out there as is. So you leave the dread to us. You stay proud. You stay powerful. And you stay positive. And no matter what you're doing or about to do, after you listen to this, you get the fuck out there and you wreck Wreck that that shit. shit. Why don't you start right now and get the fuck out of here?